Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. John back with the latest episode of the Evolved Caveman, and this is part two in a two-part series with Connell Barrett because... I love Connell's new book, Dating Sucks, But You Don't. So far, I've found that I've agreed with everything that he's teaching, and so I'm a big fan. You can find Connell at datingtransformation.com, and Connell helps men attract their dream partners by being authentic. What a radical fucking concept. Connell has appeared on Today, Good Morning America, and Access Hollywood, as well as in Cosmo, Maxim, and Playboy. He's the official coach for the Highly Dating app. Connell, welcome back. How are you doing? John, thank you so much for having me back. I feel even more evolved than last time. And by the end of this hour, ugh, I'll be complete. Well, and now you know what to expect. Now you know yes. what you're in for. I am. All I'm right. In so, for a, a tough hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like last time. Right. Um, so, last time we talked, or, or I guess it was after that first interview, you had mentioned that you had some new material, which I found really compelling. And it's it's a new framework you have on the five flirting frequencies. Teach us a little bit about that. Yes. Well, I've been actively working on my dating life for 15 years. 15 years ago is when I first started taking action. And in that time, I've been on hundreds of dates. I've met thousands of women. I've coached countless men. And I've noticed patterns. I noticed that there are really only five ways any given person, man or woman, can flirt. There are five frequencies. And almost everyone has a top one or two that's their strength zone. And if Mine you is can, dick picks. Dick picks. I'm sorry, let me make six frequencies. <laughs> the sixth is dick picks. Thank yes. you. Hold on, let me just New make dating frequency. <laughs> <laughs> dick picks is the sixth one. But the five that I'm I just teasing about. to those men out there that think that's a real thing, that is not flirting. And Sorry, the Paul. value here, I'll get, no, you can make all the dick pic jokes you like. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite texts to send women is, um, hey, here's your dick pic. And then I send them a picture of Dick Cheney. So anyway. Um, or you also have the duck pic idea. The duck pic. Or, I do a lot of dick pic, duck pic stuff. On that was a good <laughs> one. And then he sends an emoji or a, uh, a gif of a duck. Yes, exactly. Here's your duck pic. Uh, so. These five flirting frequencies, the value here is number one, asking yourself, what's my frequency? What am I good at as a man? So you can bring that strength to the date. And also the real value is understanding what your date's frequency is, because if you can get on her frequency or get her on yours or find that common ground, sparks can fly. Chemistry can really be ignited. You know what to say, you know how to quote unquote behave. Essentially it's it's how to flirt in a way that you're both creating those sparks. So it's a framework. It's a little bit like the five love languages, except it's for dates one through three, how to make sparks fly. So let me run through them really quick. They're very self-explanatory okay. once I get in them. Um, so the five flirting frequencies. Number one is emotional connection. Old school bread and butter commonalities. Sharing similar experiences, liking the same stuff. What? You're a Beatles fan, so am I. You like, um, you know, your favorite color is green, so is mine. Under basically seeing the world the same way. That's kind of that old school bread and butter uh, emotional connection. Number two is verbal banter, witty conversation, wordplay, puns, dad jokes. Um, think of a rom com movie couple. Bench, uh, bickering, bantering back and not bickering necessarily, but bantering back and forth, just being turned so on by each other's. Yes, absolutely. Verbal playfulness. Okay. Number two is verbal banter. The third flirting frequency is nonverbal slash physical. The way you use your body, your eyes, your voice. Think of a woman showing cleavage or a man sort of puffing his chest out. Uh, maybe taking a dominant man spreading position. And 
it's it's also can be physical touching and a little like high fiving, touching your date on the shoulder. Obviously, eventually getting to things like kissing and beyond. But essentially, it's nonverbals, physical slash nonverbal. I, I like the idea there of like touching on the forearm, just a light touch on the forearm to see how mm-hmm. she responds, uh, right. because I think you can tell a lot from that. Absolutely, you might find out that you're both into that physical expressiveness. And, or you might find out you're not, and I have a story about that in one minute, but, um, the fourth flirting, the fourth flirting frequency is intentful statements. That's simply using direct, clear language, compliments, double entendres saying you're sexy, hot, attractive, you're handsome. It can be G rated. Like you're pretty, you're handsome. It can be X rated. Like I want to take you home and do X, Y, Z to you in the dark. It's about that clear language. And the fifth flirting frequency is intelligence slash sapiosexual, being turned on by the person's mind. Um, deep think, think deep, stimulating conversations about books, values, art, TV, movies, philosophy. An, a real-world example would be Marilyn Monroe married Arthur Miller, the playwright. He was not... Oh. That's right. He was not the <laughs> he was not the rock of the day, but um, it's about it's about really being drawn to somebody's mind. I know women who will ghost a guy if he writes your y o u r when uh-huh. he should be writing y o u apostrophe r e. Uh, that would be an example of oh, I can't date that guy. He doesn't have the mind that I'm attracted to. So That's those are the five challenges. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so do, do those all make sense in broad strokes? Yes, they do. Yeah. So the idea here is to understand, hey, which of these frequencies do I gravitate to and my best at? And also when you're on a date, understanding what your date's frequency is and knowing that, and here's the, uh, here's, so here's the aha moment I had last year. I was on a date with a woman from Bumble. I'll call her Christine. And Christine and I had incredible verbal banter. We'd never met in person yet. We spent about two weeks texting because we were traveling, but our verbal banter was off the charts. We, it was like a rom-com, just so much banter back and forth. So we go on our first date. The banter continues. Everything's going great. Then I say, hey, it's time to emotionally connect a little bit, thinking that you had to do that. And so I open up a little bit. I share a bit about my family. I ask her about something vulnerable. And she sort of says, oh, I, just, I just don't want to talk about that. I don't feel comfortable. And the, the mood went down a little bit. A few minutes later, I go to hold her hand. And thinking, hey, the, the sparks are pretty good here. I'm going I'm to hold hands with her. And she pulled her hand away. And she said, oh, I don't like PDA. I don't like that, those public displays of affection. At the same time, she, she would say some very graphic, R-rated things in tenfold statements. So during the day, I thought to myself, oh, no, I'm getting rejected. She doesn't want to hold hands. She doesn't want to connect. She doesn't like me like I thought she did. But I realized, hey, wait a minute. Maybe it's not her rejecting me. Maybe she's rejecting the frequency I was trying to connect on. She's not into physical touch or emotional connection, but she loves banter and she loves raunchy statements back and forth. And we ended up staying on those two frequencies and had a really, really great first date. So she, I think one of the big takeaways here, John, is when you understand these frequencies, what yours is and what your dates is, it's easy to mistake uh, a date that doesn't go great for rejecting you. Right. And Oftentimes, it's not that she's rejecting you, it's that she's rejecting your frequency, or you're not on the frequency she knows how to communicate on, so she just doesn't feel the way she wants to feel. And I think that's important to to understand, hey, it's not you, it's not that you aren't enough, get on the frequency, let's get on the same frequency, and then let's make the sparks fly. That's the five flirting frequencies. Yeah, I, so thank you for sharing those with me. I, I love those. And I, I think the, the story about physical touch is really important because you could also interpret that as, okay, so she's not rejecting me, she's rejecting the physical touch approach. And probably odds are that she's not that much into physical touch in general, and like hugs, kisses, holding hands. Um, at least in public. And so if you know that physical touch is a high need of yours, may not be a great fit. 
Right. Because I, I have exactly. seen couples that are married, right? Where let's say the husband really likes physical touch and prizes that highly. And the wife's kind of like, mm, yeah, don't touch me. Now there's, there's reasons, different reasons that might develop, but I do think we have, I, I know people that crave and need physical touch with their romantic partner. And then there's other people that are like, yeah, I'm, I'm good without that. Right. I agree. It really, you have to ask yourself, what's my deal breaker for what I do and don't want in terms of how I communicate. Here's an example. My girlfriend, Jess, is not someone who likes those, those intentful statements. In fact, she even said to me I'm, later on, after we started dating, she said, I'm so glad you didn't call me sexy. I hate when guys call me sexy. But she, so she's not an intentful statement person, but she loves verbal banter. She told me early on, quote, she texted me, I'm really liking our banter. So banter for Jess and myself are both basically number one at our list of flirting frequencies. We're still the same way, uh, months and months and months down the road. So that's a great point you made. I'm not saying a man should um, just get on her frequency and, and let go of what's important to him. You might value physical touch or verbal playfulness or intelligence as something that's totally what you want. And you can see that your date doesn't have that. You can gent in a gentlemanly way say, Hey, you know what? I don't think we're a fit, but it was so great meeting you and, and look for somebody who do you do fit with better in that flirtatious wavelength. Well, and, and just for the record, like I don't, if, if you're out there looking just for sex and physical intimacy and no relationship, I don't have a problem with that. If you've got consent from both parties, like, you know, if you're adults and you both consent, great, knock yourself out. However, if you're looking for a relationship, I think that's a different, you've got a different strategy in that case. Right. And so some of those tells can be can be helpful. And I remember like, you know, in terms of like verbal banter, I remember when Jory and I first started dating, actually, I think it was our first date and our, our verbal banter had been off the charts via text and via phone. And so I was like, well, I'm going to play around with being more assertive. So I said, Hey, wear something sexy to our first date. And, and she kind of bristled at that. And so she wore Ooh. a turtleneck sweater and, and, Ooh, you know, I still okay. thought that was sexy because I'm easy. And, you know, so, but I think to her, that was kind of, a um, it was her being a little bit resistant and stubborn, which was interesting. Yeah. It might be that she didn't like the intentful statement or the message behind it yet. Yet. Yes. Uh, but there, you know, time with time, two people can get closer and more comfortable with each other. By the way, I think all of us are all five of these things at some point or another. Maybe not verbal banter, but most of these. But it might take time where you feel comfortable enough to be emotionally yeah. vulnerable and connecting. I can be that way on a first date, within reason. Some people aren't like that at all on dates one, two, and three. And just because they aren't maybe emotionally opening up to you doesn't mean they never will. It might just mean that it takes, it takes them a little more time to open up and, and thaw a little bit. I think that's okay. Well, and I like the parallel with the five love languages in the sense that, you know, I think to me, it's really important to know your partner's top two or three love languages so that you're not missing. Because I've seen a lot of couples where, you know, for most of us men, we express our love in terms of acts of service. So we're doing things like taking out the garbage or doing the dishes or getting the car washed or, you know, things like that are working. And I think that for most women, that's not real high on their list of love languages. You know, it might be more like touch mm. or words of affirmation or quality time. And so a lot of times I'm seeing this big miss between couples where the man's doing acts of service and the woman's like, that's great, but that's not how I want to receive love. That's not how I best yeah. hear that you love me. And so I, I think it's really important to figure out what is your partner's love languages so that you can hit the target. And, and the same thing with these, I imagine that it's important to know what those flirting frequencies are for the other person so that you hit the target. Right. With now in a relationship, you're able to say to your partner, Hey, what has to happen? Here's a good question to ask. What has to happen for you to feel love, feel connected to me? Now on dates one, two, and three, you don't really know the person that well. And that might be a strange thing to ask. So with these frequencies, what you can do is you can start looking for hints and signals just from maybe texting before your first date. You can get a sense if, if you throw a fun, playful, verbal, bantery text toward your first date, 
before your first date. And she just writes back, LOL, haha, but doesn't, doesn't hit the ball back. Then yeah. that might be an indicator that, Hey, she's not maybe that verbally into banter. doesn't mean she never she will. She doesn't be, like verbal might, tennis. Perhaps. Yes, perhaps maybe, but maybe she'll absolutely love talking about her dog and your cat and you connect about your pets on the date. And that, that, that means, Oh, she's an emotional connector, not a verbal banterer. And then you give her a high five about something you agree on. And she high fives you back in your hands link. And all of a sudden you're holding hands. Guess what? She's a physical expressing physical touch person. And now you have a sense of, Oh, Hey, cool. We're both sort of vibing on the same frequency. And it, it's about, so it's not about creating quote unquote, creating attraction out of nothing. I think that is largely handled by nature. You know, men are attracted mm-hmm. to women, women are attracted to men. It's about gliding the path and, and maybe kindling the, the stones, the flint. And so that it really starts to yeah. spark in a way that you both want. If you both see that value in each other. Well, and, and, you know, you mentioned man attracted to woman. I also think that in homosexual relationships or other types of relationships that there are parallels or that these tools also apply. Because I think that what we're talking about are masculine and feminine roles, gender roles, which I think most of us assume in any relationship. So whether it's, you know, homosexual or bisexual or pansexual or whatever it might be, there's parallels. Um, The other thing I wanted to ask is it seems to me that you could almost ask, like, let's say you start DMing <clears throat> via, <coughs> pardon me, via a website, I don't know, Plenty of Fish or whatever, or Highly. And it seems to me that you could ask the person you're DMing, hey, what is your preferred style of flirting? And give them this menu and see what they say. Like, you could almost be that upfront about it. What do yeah. you think? What are your thoughts there? I've... I've always been a fan of, uh, of finding of doing little tests just for fun and putting that energy out there. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, how do you, how do you most like to flirt? Um, one of my favorite openers with a dating app, let's say you match is I say, okay, Hey, nice matching with you, Jennifer. What do you want? Cheesy pickup line or a smooth, sexy, cool line? Just have kind of have some fun with the, mm-hmm. the meta aspect of dating. So yeah, you can yeah, absolutely you ask. Go. You could absolutely say, um, "How do you like to flirt?" Circle A, B, or C. You could make it. You could make the question a fun little quiz. Do you want A verbal banter? B X. What you know? B C and see what she says. Because again, that uh, would be different. And I think what we're trying to hit yeah. on is different at this point. You know, especially for men approaching women. Women have been approached by so many guys on these dating sites from what I hear. You know, it's like a right. 10 to 1 ratio. Right. And and so I think that any way you can like I, I really like your idea of going meta on the I guess the texting, but it could be on anything. Um so pulling back and speaking to the process rather than doing the typical or the expected. Yes. That's why the dick pick duck pick joke yeah. works because you're playing around with her expectation of so many mm-hmm. guys sending actual dick pics and you're not doing that by asking her how she wants to flirt. At least you're, at least you're letting her know you're going to flirt as opposed to how's mm-hmm. your day. What are you up to? What was your weekend? Like, well, and, and even, even the question of how do you like to flirt is an indication of my interest in you on a romantic level. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of guys fall into that friend zone because they're just doing that ho-hum kind of texting or DMing and they don't make any move. They don't make their intentions known for days or weeks. And then the female's like, well, I guess, you know, yeah, much there. So my, and my hope with these five frequencies is that it can help men and women, but let's talk to our male audience for the sake of this podcast, obviously Mm -hmm. uh, that it can, it can put an end to those dates where you felt like she wanted to like you, you wanted to like her, and it was a perfectly nice conversation, but there was just no sparks. It was just fine. Right. And you're both left feeling, nah, no chemistry. I would argue it's not that you don't have chemistry. It's that you don't know that there are these frequencies and that you can get on these frequencies together. So I'd like to help end the friend zone when when my definition, my definition of the friend zone is not two people don't have chemistry. It's they want to like each other, but they just can't get the the plug and the prong and the magnets are pushing away. 
Uh, the friend zone is we both want to make something happen, but we're not sure how. My hope is that you can look at these frequencies and say, hey, here's how I can get her onto mine or maybe get on one of hers and let's have a fun, sexy, romantic date if we both want that. Uh, because there's no, nothing is more, <laughs> nothing's more frustrating than going home and saying, you know what, it was fine. The conversation flowed, but she wasn't that into me and uh, maybe I wasn't that into her, but I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's about well, because if you're going, if you're getting to the point of meeting someone <clears throat> for coffee or drinks or dinner, like there's physical attraction on both sides, right? I mean, at least from the photos, right? right. You know, assuming the photos are recent and true. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make. That sometimes I think we may not, maybe we're too bashful or shy to be playful or put right. our intentions out there. We're too scared, scared of rejection. Right. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, to guys that are out there dating to be willing to play around with kind of the degree of assertiveness that you're having in some of these areas is a really good experiment. Yes. And assertiveness is a, a value. I, I love to look at that as a value, something you want to have mm-hmm. in place in your dating life, because as men within reason, I, I still think, the old school mentality of men lead the dance, women follow the dance. I still think there's a lot of truth there. So the idea is that we're still, we're leading, we're men, we're quote unquote making moves with, again, with empathy and respect, of course. And mm-hmm. a woman's going to follow us or not, depending on how the, the mutual attraction is and also the chemistry. So this is about, this is about, I, this is about connection and chemistry. Assuming we're both, mm-hmm. we both want to be attracted to each other. This is how we turn that that spark into a fire. To to misquote Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> <laughs> I love Bruce. Can't start a fire um, without so, a spark. That's it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so to use that as a segue, because one of the things I hear from a lot of men, it, let's say I'm I'm a guy who's dating now, and I'm bashful, shy, and maybe there's um, I'm not as confident as I would like to be. So where do you go for men that? need a boost in confidence in the dating world. It starts with a inter- looking internally and looking for hardcore proof that you have worth and value to women, that you have something to offer. Confidence begins from the inside. You, you can't make other people the sole source of it. It has to start inside. And so the first thing I do with my clients and the first, one of the first things I do in, in, in my book is I say, hey, let's let's write up a list of these very specific reasons why you're a great catch, why you're worthy, you're enough for not every woman, but any given woman. Lots of women would be into you. And so to me, confidence starts from the inside. You got to fill up your cookie jar before you expect women to start adding their cookies to it. If you make other people the source of your, your validation, then you're going to be at the the effect of other people. You want to be in control and get in touch with your worthiness. It comes down to to me it's, it comes down to worthiness, value, specialness, seeing it, seeing it inside, looking at yourself and saying, hey, you know what? I have a big heart. I'm funny at times. I have a regular cool job. I have a great sense of humor. I've had all these great things in my life. Sure, why wouldn't a lot of women, you know, if s- some women want to be with somebody like me. So it starts from the inside, first and foremost. And and so what part does values play in that? Values, to me, values are about understanding that there are certain values that we want to move toward. That if we move toward these values, if we take action from these values, we will be setting ourselves up for dating success, confidence, connection, quote unquote, results, and just feeling really attractive and good about yourself. And one of the things I do in the book and with my clients is I say, hey, let's look at the the current values you're moving toward. What are you moving toward right now? And most guys say, oh, I'm moving toward connection. I'm moving toward love, um, confidence. And they say that. But if you look at the actual values they have in place, they're probably moving more towards certainty, safety. I'll I'll use myself as an example from back in the day. And I've had every problem a dating a guy could have. That's why I became a dating coach. <laughs> I had every problem myself. It used to be if I wanted to confidently approach a woman, sorry, if I wanted to approach a woman, essentially she had to be 
standing by herself, looking at me, smiling, wearing a sign around her neck that said, horny for gingers. Then and only then would How I How often did that her. happen? Never. <laughs> Never <laughs> once. I was just thinking um, maybe it happened once. I don't know. I- right. So the value I was actually living my life by, at least in the area of approaching, it wasn't, it wasn't love, romance, connection. It was secure, safety and security. It was, I will only approach if I'm feeling certain that I won't get rejected. Now, certainty and, safety, yeah. certainty and safety is a great value if you're choosing long-term mutual funds. It's not going to help you if you're out meeting women in a social situation. You've got to let go of certainty and move toward uncertainty, move toward courage, move toward risk-taking. Well, can yeah, and to, to add to that, I, one of the things that's always, I, I don't know, baffled, confused, impressed me about us humans is that we often have competing drives. And one of the main competing drives that I go back to is we have a drive for certainty and security, and we have a competing drive for risk, novelty, and uncertainty. Mm. Right. And those two are, you know, directly at odds with each other. But I think too many of us, as we get older, we lean too much on the side of certainty. And so to realize that these are just competing drives and you have both of them in you. So to revel and play in the risk and the risk taking and the fact that it's exciting that maybe she'll talk to you, maybe she won't. But that's part of yeah. the excitement. Exactly. Uh, I love what you just said. Maybe she'll like me. Maybe she won't, but Ooh, what's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, and so th- that's why going back to something I said two minutes ago, that's why it starts with knowing and feeling your worth and significance to women, because then the, the stakes are much lower that approach. Maybe she'll like me. Maybe she won't, but no matter worst case scenario, I'm good. I'm attractive. I'm worthy. Right. If we have that internal sense of worthiness handled within reason, then, okay, there'll be some butterflies. Who knows? Maybe she'll, maybe she'll like me. Maybe she won't. But it won't feel like an existential uh, uh, judgment day on your worth as a man. That's the yeah. core cause of approach anxiety. Feeling like that rejection means you're not good enough. No. Right. That rejection might mean your approach sucked. It might mean she has a boyfriend. It might mean she's not in the mood. But it doesn't mean you're not good enough. Well, it might mean, I mean, I like that idea that she's got preferences, right? So maybe she doesn't like gingers. Maybe she doesn't like bald guys. Like, and that's right. okay. Like, because we have preferences too. And, and so I think sure. to realize to flip it and to just go, well, yeah, I don't like brunettes typically or something like that. And so right. I don't even approach brunettes. Well, okay. Right. There's nothing wrong, good or bad about that. It's just a personal preference. Um, yes. So let me go back to the values piece for a second, because okay. I, one of the questions I want to ask is, do you steer your clients in any particular direction in terms of their values? Because to me, values can be current. I can currently possess the value of integrity, for example, and they can be aspirational. And I want to become more self-aware. So to me, I think like two of the great values that we can get better at in terms so that we're better at dating and more desirable is self-awareness and emotional awareness. So do you steer Mm. your clients in any direction or do you just kind of take their values and say, okay, let's work with those? Definitely steer them. I give them the values that are needed for dating success. Now they're not, I don't force them down the throat. There's other values we can use here. But you want to have these core three to five, what I call super values at work. Uh, The first one is authentic expression. It's the only thing that's the deal breaker for me. This is about being your best, most authentic self and showing women that real you. So it's about... Could you also call that, pardon me for interrupting, could you also call that radical honesty? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is that similar? uh, Yeah, absolutely. There's similar there because honesty is part of authenticity, showing that clear, honest, true self. Right. To me, well, yeah, that's and the I guess one the, under, the one underlying that is self awareness. Like, if we're not self aware, then yeah. it's hard to be authentic because you don't even know who the hell you are. Correct. And, and that's this is a big problem, which is why I kind of keep coming back to it. But you know, research shows that ninety five percent of us say we're highly self aware, but it's only ten to fifteen percent of us that actually are self aware. Right. Right. It's something that you, we just want to constantly be working on, always trying to get yeah 
one tenth of one percent more self-aware every day. Yeah, <laughs> curious and open can. about ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what I what I want guys to do, whether they work with me or read the book or find it on their own, is understand that they aren't you. You aren't stuck with your current values. Most of us don't know what they are. Secondly, right. even when you discover what they are, you can actually put new values into place. It's kind of like you get to be Phil Jackson or Pat Riley. You get to be the head coach of your own team and put the five best players on the court that you want to help you make progress and, and get that result and move forward in any area. And the, the three to five that I talk about most often is one is authentic expression. True, be that true best self. Women are going to like you for you. Number two is courage. There will be times when you have to do something that's scary. And the only way to get around it is to say, you know what? There's that beautiful woman at the bar and I'm scared, but I'm going to talk to her anyway. I'm going to use courage. Um, another value that's really powerful and important is playfulness. Fun slash playfulness. Dating should be fun. An approach should be fun. Women are going to be much more attracted to the guy who's having a good time, bringing a good, fun, playful vibe, as opposed to the guy who's being really serious and like, uh, those three alone will change your life. If you go out and take courageous action, yeah, I love those. authentically express yourself, bring some playfulness to the playing field. Oh my gosh. Women are just dying to meet guys like that. Uh, so yeah, those are the big three values. And the thing is, you can also pick and choose other values. I'm not saying you have to only use these. You might go out and realize, you know what? I need to, um, I need to have some, maybe some sexual expressiveness, right? Maybe have, let a little, little bit of that romantic side come out. Or maybe it's vulnerability. I had a client who was, he was really good at doing the game stuff, the moves, the lines, but he was still kind of hiding that real self. And he had to say, you know what? I got to be more vulnerable. I got to be more real. Drop the shtick. And that when he started opening that side up to, up to of himself to women, a lot more of the women he met realized, oh, wow, you're not just a bunch of funny lines. I can see the real you. So, yeah. But it does start with these core, what I call super values. And then you can pick and choose other values as needed. It's almost like moving dials on a date mm -hmm. or moving dials well, and, in your and dating I love life. I love the idea that values are not static, that, you know, we should, yeah. we need to check in with our values every, I don't know, three years or so, give or take. Yeah. But when I, after I got out of my marriage, one of my values became, along with those that you just mentioned, one became physical health because I had to get in better yeah. physical shape um, now that I'm dating again. And then that kind of fell off the radar once that happened. Um, but one of the things that I love about values is I think that they are, they operate as guardrails for our life, for our behavior. And mm. so I, I think the more that we're aware of those guardrails, the more we act in accordance with them. And then the more confidence we have as a result. And that's a big deal. I agree. I think you want to, you want to use them as guardrails. And, and I call these positive values toward values. Things are moving toward. However, we must talk about the big bad wolf there's a, there's a, let's call it an anti-value. There's the, the, the pain, the devil we want to avoid. I call this an anti-value and it's different for every guy, but in the dating context here, it's triggered by rejection. So rejection, quote unquote, triggers something. It's like a Pandora's box. And in some guys, it opens up negativity. Maybe he becomes a misogynist or rejection, anger. Yeah, anger yeah, depression, maybe it's more inward, um, feeling unworthy. So we want to move toward these three to five super values that I talk about in my book and others that feel good to you and you can personalize them. At the same time, we want to be aware that there's the, that the rejection can unlock something very painful. It's different from guy to guy, unworthiness, uh, anger, misogyny, what have you, and, and make it really hard to feel that right? Um, by understanding, okay, wait a minute, let's reframe rejection. Let's look at, let's look at, a, let's say you approach a woman, you're moving toward authentic expression and courage. And she says, um, no, thanks. I'm not interested. Now, some men are going to go, oh no, I just got rejected. And that's going to trigger feelings of um, lack of worthiness. 
or pain or anger. What I want men to do, and this is easier said than done, but what I want men to do is just basically stand guard at the door of their mindset and say, wait a minute, I will not indulge some BS story that a woman's rejection means I'm not good enough. Instead, I'm going to remember that I have a big heart, great sense of humor. I'm a good guy. And basically reframe that as something to feel less bad about. Does that make sense? Well, and yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea of reframe rejection. I, I think that you can reframe it as, well, at least I tried. So you can look, yes. focus on the effort rather than the outcome. Um, right. It also makes me wonder, and I, I'm just wondering aloud right now, to what extent do you think that's shame that gets triggered in us via the rejection? So when you reject me, then I become all bad. And mm. then I go to that five-year-old that yeah. you know, is whatever, petulant and angry and hurt. And, and so I, I think one of the other reframes I would throw on there is I've done nothing wrong. Like right. I just, you know, tried to start a conversation with her. And, and so I think that reframe of, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm, I'm just, you know, putting myself out there. So yes. I, I like the idea of speaking your truth, even if it doesn't give you the result that you want, because at least you spoke your truth. Right. At least you, you tried in this case. Yeah. You took an action and yeah. The, the, let's look at approaching as an example. This is something that most men, most single men want to be able to do, at least sometimes, almost everyone who talks to me. And what we want to do is be able to say, and really the thing that keeps men from doing it, it's not that they don't know what to say. It's not that uh, they don't feel cool enough. That maybe is part of it. Really, they're just afraid of the pain if she, quote, rejects him. But what mm -hmm. if it wasn't rejection? So we, we, look at it, we look at it as a binary, heads I win, tails I suck. Heads, I get a date and romantic interest and validation. Tails, I feel like a shameful, unattractive weirdo or what it is. So it's so important that we get a clear uh, mindset rule where we say, hey, wait a minute. I will not indulge in some BS story that my re that rejection means I did something wrong or should feel shame. Instead, I'm not even going to see it as rejection. I'm going to see it as an authentic action and that I just put another brick in the character of my growth as a man. Do this enough times, recondition yourself, and you start to see approaching or any romantic action where there's a little bit of risk as a win-win. Either you, quote, get the girl, which can change your life. And even if you don't get that girl, you, you, you're building your character, you're learning lessons, you're taking action and saying, hey, I just learned that she's not a good fit for me. Who's next? And then yeah, and you're taking risks, to... you're expressing courage. And, yeah. and I also like the, the idea of depersonalizing. So, and, and that's why I like that idea of reminding myself in the moment when, and if I get rejected that, okay, I'm just not a good fit for what she likes. That's right. okay. It has nothing to do with me. That has more to do with what she prefers in a man. Absolutely. It doesn't mean I'm bad or wrong or too short or too tall or too bald or too hairy. It's just, I don't fit her preferences. It might mean that she likes the Beatles and you're the Stones. Stones fucking yeah. rock. Nothing. It's all good. <laughs> stones are great. So let me go to, let's go to brass tacks now because I've been out of the dating world for six plus years. So let's go to the online dating sites and kind of which ones are better than others. Because when I was in the game, <laughs> the game, um, you know, it was plenty of fish. It was match. I met Jordan mm. on Tinder. Um, okay dabbled a little bit in the league. Um, so what, what's your read on, on them now? I, I think that all dating apps are basically the same. They're all opportunities to put the, put that piece of digital marketing out there because what, one of my beliefs is look, online dating is not really dating. It's digital marketing. It's not dating until you meet or have that first phone or video date. Until then, you're just putting a piece of marketing out there. So you want to look at it as a piece of marketing and make it as enticing and effective as possible. Authentic, but attractive and enticing. So to that point, what I recommend guys do is look at the different apps that are out there, get familiar with the platforms and figure out, hey, which ones have my types of women on there? Go on, check out Hinge. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Hinge, Bumble, The League is how I met my girlfriend. Um, but I've had all, you know, the really dating apps, it's really just about what, if you like using that app, 
And if, it, if that app tends to attract the kinds of women who are your type. So I would say go out and try two or three different ones. Try the free version just to see if you like the, mm-hmm. the navigation. And then from then out, choose the one that feels right to you. And then this is a digital marketing uh, experiment. And yeah, and I would also say vary your profile by dating site just to see which, you know, are you yes. getting different results? Not like I'm six foot, yeah. I'm six foot two, or, I mean, but just, you know, try a humorous approach, try a values-based approach, try, you know, being very specific about what you're looking for. Cause again, I, I think I right. touched on, I don't think you're looking to cast the widest net possible. You're looking to cast a very specific net to weed out 90% of the, the pool. Right. Exactly. So for example, let's say you're on Tinder versus Bumble. So you, let's say you go on both. On Tinder, you're going to feel free to put a more kind of fun, flirty, boyfriend-ish vibe out there, but also open to something more casual because it's Tinder, right? There's more mm-hmm. people who are open to hookups. Not to say you can't find a relationship on Tinder. You enjoy it. They're a great example of that. Mm-hmm. But but your audience on Tinder is going to be a bit more, hey, let's have fun first and see how it goes. On Bumble, you're going to find a lot more women. If you're a single guy looking, you're going to find women who are looking more for that relationship, here for something real, a little bit less of the casual thing. And then, so you can, you can change your profile accordingly. Your Tinder photos and bio might be a bit more playful, fun. Let's see how it goes. Whereas on Bumble, you might talk about, here's what I'm looking for in a girlfriend and here's you know what I'm about and essentially create that boyfriend frame versus the fun single guy on Tinder kind of vibe. So yeah, you want to tweak things based on the platform. Yeah. And I remember I was talking with a, a female friend of mine and she mentioned that she had put up for a date um, for a profile. Like I enjoy, you know, a charcuterie platter with a glass of champagne and some relaxing music overlooking a body of water. And her friend like freaked out. She's like, why are you putting that on there? Like, no one's going to, no one's going to say yes to that. No guy is going to say yes to that. And she said, well, what I'm looking for is just the guy that that is a match yeah. for. I'm not looking for a yeah. hundred guys. I'm looking for one or two that think that's right. a really cool date. And that's what she found. And and so I think that's a really good reminder of be really transparent and honest and know what you're looking for if you're looking for a relationship. Um, so we only got about five to 10 minutes left. So let's talk about consent briefly in the Me Too era, because I've talked with so many college-age men mm-hmm. or men in their young 20s, many of whom are afraid to even date because of mm-hmm. they, they just don't know what's going on in terms of consent. And they're worried about, I don't know, being accused of something when they're alone with a girl on an early date. Yeah, a lot of men feel... What do you say about consent? Yeah, you're right. A lot of men feel stuck between the rock and a hard place. On one hand, they don't want to be in the friend zone and struggle to connect with women. On the other hand, they don't want to make a move and and get caught accused of being harassing or creepy Mm -hmm. or break some kind of Me Too rule. Um, So... And I have a whole chapter about this in my book. There's a whole Me Too chapter, basically how to date in the Me Too era. And the good news is you still get to be a man. You still get to flirt. You can open doors. You can hold her hand. You get to kiss. You, women, in other words, women still want men to be men. Uh, the Me Too movement, really, it's about, it's about it's a long overdue course correction where society has learned about the harassment, the assault, all the problems that women and, girl, and girls have gone through. So first thing, first things first is that women just want us men to understand what the movement's about. It's not, you can't kiss us. It's just know some of the stuff we've had to deal with. Right? So first is understand that is my advice for men. What me too is about. It's not about us. It's about them. It's about what women have gone through and just empathizing with that. The second thing is, is I want guys to know is, can you kiss a woman? Yes. You, you can still do the things that we want to do, but we want to do it with a lot of empathy and noticing how she's feeling and don't feel like it's here's a huge mistake that men should not make don't wait for her to like oh it's the me too era now you have to kiss me first you have to hold my hand first women hate that they hate that because it's taking your role away as a man and it's also missing the whole point Mm -hmm. of the movement so just know that Mm -hmm. you still can 
do the things on dates. You can go for the first kiss. Um, there are ways to do these things. You just want to, you just want to know within reason that you got the green light to do these things. But women will still want that first kiss to feel like it just happened. Um, that's so how do, you, how do you get, how do you gauge that green light? Yeah. Um, noticing her indicators, noticing her body language. Uh, one of the things that I teach men to do is essentially you want to climb uh, stair steps to the point of say that first kiss, right? You don't want to be, you don't want to sit on your hands for two hours and talk about the weather and then lunge at her for a kiss. At the end. <laughs> that, that is, I'm not saying that's me too, but that's, that's going to freak some women out. Uh, yeah. I've done, I did stuff like that while I was learning this. So I learned all these lessons the hard way. Um, you want to climb stair steps to that first kiss, for example. So for example, she walks in on the first date, you're not shaking her hand, give her a nice hug, warm hug, friendly hug, G-rated hug, but you're, you're being physical a little bit from the start. Yep, and brief hug. little brief hug. Uh, ideally sit next to her, not across from her, like you're doing your taxes. Sit next to her if you can. Um, feel free to be a little bit physically expressive and she ha- see how she responds to it, where you might high five her. You might tap her on the leg and she might start touching you back. And, and also there are ways to be verbally flirtatious. Um, one of the things I like to do, and I suggest my clients do this too, is at some point during the date, if you feel like it's going well, um, hold her hand or seek to hold her hand and see if she holds it back. As we talked about earlier, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean she doesn't like you if she doesn't hold it back. But if she does hold it back, it's a real clear indicator that she's mm-hmm. liking you. And now you can do things like move in for that first kiss. Uh, one of the things I like guys to do if they, if they, are a little scared about that first kiss is say in the right moment, look for that window and say, I really want to kiss you right now Mm -hmm. and see how she takes that. Does she blush? Does she say, well, go ahead. Boom. You got your green light. If she says, no, not here. I barely know you. Okay. Fair enough. She's giving you some valuable Intel about how she's feeling. So the idea of going from nice to meet you to we're kissing, we're making out, we're having a really good first or second date. It's about climbing these different stair steps of quote unquote escalation. I call them escalators in the book. And then also always noticing how she's feeling, really checking with her and just seeing how she's feeling and pulling back when needed and going a little bit further when she gives you that green light. And that's what women want. They want a guy who can make those moves, but while noticing how she's feeling, and, and behaving accordingly. Yeah. And, and I really take your, um, that question or statement of, you know, may I kiss you now, or I would really like mm. to kiss you and like getting a green light from that. And then I, I think you, at this point, if I were 20 something in dating, I would also kind of check in with a question at each step along the way, if you're getting physical, right. You know, would you like to move to the bedroom or, you know, yeah. Is this okay? And at least initially, because I, I think that it's, you know, the, you've talked about that, that gap between being a man and having like embracing the man's role, the masculine role in dating and falling into the friend zone. And I think that gap has gotten narrower with the Me Too right. movement. And so I think that, and, and again, I don't have a problem with that. I think women, um, have put up with a lot of crap and abuse and sexual misconduct over the years. Right. And I support them in the me too movement. Although I think it's become more difficult as a man to maneuver the dating minefield, if you will, um, as a result. And so I think there's a lot of men that whoever, if we were anxious beforehand about dating, we're doubly anxious now, at least. Many yeah. Of us. And I, I get the, and I think those are the good guys, right? The guys that are worried totally. about it. Oh Yeah. If you're not worried about it, then it's a different problem. If you're a little worried about it, you're a good man. (laughs) You have empathy for women. I think consent is an opportunity to dial up the sexiness. To me, consent is sexy. To me, you don't have to say, would you like to sign this document letting me know that I now have (laughs) your your, um, pre-approval to touch you in this uh, place on your body? No, you could be on the couch and you can say... I, wow, you know what I really want to do right now? I would love to take you into my bedroom and do X, Y, Z thing to you. What do you think? 
and then see how she responds. That's sexy to talk about. You're, you're now you're talking mm-hmm. about what you want to do. And you're also listening yeah. to what she says and, and responds. And she might say no, she might say yes. It's all good either way. Um, mm-hmm. but so verbal consent, it can it can be more Barry White than Barry Sheck. It can be sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be loyal. So it can be mm, what yeah. about what about um if you're on a date, first date? things are getting, you know, you're getting some green lights and she's getting more and more tipsy. She's drinking more mm. and more because she's, let's say, because she's nervous and you notice she's drunk. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, an, an inebriated woman cannot consent. So okay. simply do not capital D O capital N O T escalate in any way, shape or form. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait till the next date and have her hopefully drink a little bit less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's, tags, that's a good, that's fine. it's yeah. a good reminder. Yeah. Two yes. or three drinks. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but it's sure. going to depend on the individual. And I, I just think I kind of feel like, and I know this is a huge generalization, but a lot of young men back in the day would be like, all right, she's getting drunk. Like that was a good indicator mm. because now I'm going to get lucky. And I, that's, mm. that has to change. Absolutely. It doesn't feel good. Look, I used to work with pickup artist dudes who taught me this like hardcore escalation stuff. They didn't teach anything about alcohol or getting girls drunk at all. I don't mean to, I'm not saying that, yeah. but, but I remember how they were like, escalate, go after this, go after that. I remember one night a few years ago, I was out with a client and we met this girl and she was so, so almost like out of it, passed out drunk. And it felt so good for us to just like put her in the car, give the Uber driver her address get her home safely. It feels so much better just as a man to just take care of a woman in that way. So if you're ever on a date um, where you feel she's even moving toward that, then feel good about getting her home safely. And next time go out for coffee and don't let her drink so much and and have some fun in a sober environment. I mean, that to me gets back to our values, right? Integrity, maybe acting chivalrous, um, being caring, like all that's good stuff. Totally. Totally. Two, uh, two, two, three drinks is a good, is a good max. Yeah. Um, so I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does very much. So, Hey, Connell, again, another great conversation. Really enjoyed this. Uh, thank you so much. Is, is there anything that you want to say or add in wrapping up? No, uh, other than just know that my, my mission in life is to help good hearted, nice guys, a lot of whom might be introverted, just they don't believe in themselves just to find, to awaken that authentic confidence and show women out there what a, what an amazing catch you are. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm about. So if you're a guy who's like that and you just want more free videos, free tips, free stuff, there's lots of cool freebies at datingtransformation.com. And again, the book is dating sucks, but you don't by Connell Barrett and Connell. Thanks again so much. That's it for this episode of The Evolved Caveman. If you like this episode, please remember to rate, review, and share. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you for listening to The Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 